I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan. I'll be your host for the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started... All the details in these podcasts are personal experiences, each woman with her own opinions and thoughts on pregnancy and birth. While I hope that you find some useful advice in this podcast, you should always speak with a medical professional before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth care, and this platform is simply used to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. Let's get into the episode. Today I'm speaking with Tash. Tash tells her two very different birth stories, both by cesarean. I'll let her give you all of the information, but I just wanted to say a big thank you to Tash for sharing her stories with us all, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Tash. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, Let's jump straight into it. So would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you, who's in your family, and what you're all up to at the moment? Um, I'm Tash or Tash. <laughs> I'm married to Ari, um, who I think you're going to hear from as well. Um, we live in Hamilton in New Zealand and I have two babies, Ruby, who's two and a half and George, who has just gone six months. I'm a photographer and I take photos of weddings and families and a lot of my own family as well. So yeah, awesome. that's me. Amazing. Yeah, we're so excited to have Ari on the podcast as well. Can't wait to record that one. Cool. So have you and Ari always wanted a family? What what sort of was the process there? How did you start talking about that? Yeah, so um, in early 2015, I had a really minor health scare. Like I just had some, like it's really not relevant, but um, <laughs> something pop up that kind of made us reassess what we wanted um, and where we were kind of going. We were engaged at the time, but um, it really put stuff into perspective and we sort of realized that we both wanted a family um, and we didn't particularly think, oh, we need to be married first before we start our family. So we just kind of decided, all right, let's do it. Um, and I had kind of knowing that, you know, sometimes it takes people a little bit of time to get pregnant. Yeah. So we didn't expect to get pregnant straight away. Um, and like I even, we were planning to get married in sort of six months time. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll probably be a pregnant bride and whatnot. <laughs> um, but um, it didn't work out like that. Um, but yeah, so we started to um, plan for a family. I read up a lot about what it takes to get pregnant and um, I was pretty shocked when we didn't fall pregnant in that first month I was like what we spend all of our adult life trying so hard not to get pregnant (laughs) and then now it wasn't happening and I was like wow (laughs) you know it was so crazy Um, yeah but yeah 
And so your journey to getting pregnant, how long did that take? Um, I can't remember exact numbers, but I think it was a, it was, I, for, I'm going to say four months. Um, it wasn't particularly long, but it was still, you know, anything that wasn't instant in my mind was forever. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. when you're waiting and you're excited and sort of you expect it to happen straight away, but it doesn't. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so those four months went by and then how did you find out that you were pregnant? Did you have early symptoms or did you just sort of think it was time to do a test? Yeah. So I kind of, it just at one point at this month, that particular month, I kind of thought, oh, man, something feels a little bit different. And, um, I was working a job where I had a lunch break and I came home, I was working from home and I was like, right, we're doing a test. <laughs> and I brought a, I brought a test home with me and, um, I just, I had this hunch, but I, because of this hunch, I was really scared that it wouldn't be right. And, um, I took the test and I put it on the counter and I I couldn't look at it. And I was like, Ari, you need to look at it. And he just turned around and he looked at me with like this confused face and he was like, wait, two two lines means pregnant, right? And I was like, wait, no, hold on. We need to look at the box. So we like, like triple check the box and like the instructions and everything. We're like, yeah, two lines means pregnant. And then, yeah, we both just kind of like fell to the floor and cried and screamed and we're just really happy. Amazing. That's beautiful. So obviously he was there um, at the time, so you didn't have to do any type of pregnancy reveal, which is nice. Did you have... (laughs) Yeah. um, any early symptoms or how was that sort of first part of your pregnancy? Um, the first part was really good. I would say up until maybe like seven weeks. Um, yeah. I didn't feel anything. I am, I was just, you know, normal me and I, a little bit like kind of unconvinced. I was actually pregnant. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And then I, and then morning sickness and everything started from there but um yeah that first part was just really blissful and really nice yeah yeah lovely and did your morning sickness last very long um it did so I had um hyperemesis with Ruby um Uh I was like very very sick so in the first 12 weeks I lost six kgs um I was vomiting and not eating so much like not eating anything I was constantly um like in doctor's offices and the hospital and stuff trying to get um IVs and everything because I was just so poorly um but by about 18 weeks that kind of subsided so yeah but that was pretty tough for the first little bit yeah I bet it was and so following that was the rest of your pregnancy fairly normal in terms of how that went it was um I I felt really great like I truly feel like my body was made to be pregnant. Like it sounds kind of weird. I'm totally one of those people who love being pregnant, yeah, although it amazing. was hard. Um, but I just loved it. You know, I kind of felt cool. like this is my body, and yeah, yeah, it was made oh, for great. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And did you and Ari have any idea of where you thought you might want to deliver and what method of care you might want to go down? Yeah. So, um, I Ari already knew. Um, a midwife, Michelle, who he had done some work for before. Oh, and, awesome. um, so we kind of got in contact with her and it was just, yeah, it just felt so right. She had delivered over a thousand babies, like, and was just so knowledgeable. And I always felt really safe and, um, Perfect. well looked after by her. So she was like 
just an obvious choice for us. Um, and then like most mums, I plan to give birth naturally. Um, yeah. but I, I don't do well with pain. So I was, I'm not a sucker for punishment and <laughs> I kind of was like, whatever drugs it takes, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to, it wasn't so much that I didn't want to feel it, but I, you know, like I wanted to experience birth, but I just didn't really feel like I needed to feel in heaps of pain to experience yeah. it. Um, yeah, yeah fully. <laughs> and had you yeah. planned on where you'd give birth? Yeah. So I kind of thought, um, you know, being a first time mom, I thought, okay, a hospital's the best place. And, um, you know, if we needed emergency care, it was right there. Um, and yeah. the drugs are there. So that was obvious. Um, and I think you'll kind of understand later on that this choice was pretty important for, um, our particular story with, um, my firstborn Ruby. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And did you go to any sort of antenatal classes or birthing classes with the hospital? Um, yeah, so I did one through Plunkett actually. Um, oh, cool. that was, it was great. Um, we learned a lot and I think it was really good for, um, the partners in particular just to kind of, you know, really understand what was happening with the body. You know, I kind of was always doing research and, you know, had an yeah. idea of what birth was like, but for him, he was just really out of his depth. So I think that really helped him kind of understand what, what was about to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome that he went with you. That's, I think, a really important um, part of the partners are available to go. Then great that he went. So do you want to talk the listeners through uh, sort of going into labor with Ruby and then into your birth story from there? Sure. Um, so I went past my due date with Ruby. I was really upset. I thought that I would have an early baby and I didn't. And every day past 40 weeks was like a year. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I got to um, 40 weeks and four days. And that was, I was just so over it and so tired. And that morning I got up and I had lost my mucus plug. And I was just on cloud nine. I was like, hooray, <laughs> something's happening. Like my yeah. body knows what it's doing. Um, so I knew that didn't mean labor was starting. You know, it's not like your water's breaking or whatever, but yeah. I did know that it meant that like things were starting to happen. My body was starting to kick into gear. Um, so I wanted to help it along as much as we could. So, um, we went for a walk to, we had a cafe kind of maybe like 500 meters down the road, really close. Um, yeah. So I was like, right, we're going to walk there and I'm going to curb walk and I'm going <laughs> to fast pace it and like, let's get this, let's get this labor going. Yeah. Um, and we did. And I got there and I ordered the big breakfast and I probably ate like three mouthfuls of it. And I sat there like gripping the wall the whole time. Um, <laughs> like with contractions coming they weren't sore but they were enough to make me kind of like pause and be like you know breathe yeah. through them um so that was really good um but then I was like I don't know if I can face the walk back home so <laughs> Ari ran back home and got the car and came and picked me up but anywho we got home and I was quite happy on the couch just sitting there and I was quite in like a happy space um I didn't feel like I needed any extra support. I could still talk through my contractions, all of that kind of stuff. And um, Ari actually had a scheduled job that day. And um, 
it was to take photos of a car and he was like, look, this is not important. You're in labor. Like taking photos of a car is really not important right now. And I was like, honey, I'm fine. You can go. And he, he was so reluctant, but I was like, come on, you know, like that it's fine. I've got it. We've probably still got so much time ahead of us. Like I'll be fine. And my mum came and stayed with me and he went and shot this car and in the time that he was gone and the time to him coming back, my contractions just got worse and worse and worse. And when he walked in, my eyes like locked with his and I was like, he could tell my eyes were like, you aren't leaving ever again. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he came and sat by me and, you know, he started, he was really good. I didn't, um, during labor, I thought I was going to really want um, someone sort of, massaging me and, yeah. um, you know, sort of being close to me. But actually when I was in labor, I really wanted to go into my own bubble. I wanted yeah. to be by myself. Um, I didn't want anybody touching me. I kind of felt like I, I knew what I needed and, um, anyone else kind of any advice everyone was giving me. I was like, you don't know what I'm experiencing. <laughs> so <laughs> it was kind of, yeah, it was, it was one of those things that I think you kind of have this idea of how it's going to go, but then when you're actually in it, you're like, oh, okay, wow, this is how I respond to this. Yeah. So um, I spent a lot of time sort of like kneeling. Um, I felt like a kneel kind of squat position. It sounds so bizarre when I describe <laughs> it, but on the lounge floor was like my thing, and I just sat yeah. there and kind of breathed through them. But as time went on, and like the contractions started to ramp up, I really, I was struggling to stay in that zone. Um, you know, I kind of was losing the ability to talk and like vocalize what I needed people to do for me. Yeah. Um, which, which, um, I found really difficult because, um, I then started to really fight the pain. I wasn't going with the pain anymore. I was really fighting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of describe it like a, I wasn't riding the wave. I was walking through it. And um, the contractions, I felt like I wasn't being productive with them because I was just fighting them the whole time. Yeah. Um, so I went back and forth between the lounge floor, the bath. Um, we were on – so we used to live semi-rural, um, so we were on tank water. And, um, I took like maybe three baths and I wanted them like piping hot, but obviously you can't really have that yeah. when you're pregnant. Um, yeah. but I used all of our hot water and because we're on tank water, like it just was, it was heartbreaking because I knew that there was nothing they could do. So mum and Ari were like sitting there filling a bath up with kettles, trying to, <laughs> um, trying to like, get me, yeah, trying to keep me warm in the bath, um, and I liked the bath, but um, I found it difficult because it was just a bath. So I didn't have yeah. to, like sort of space to spread out and kind of really relax as much as I thought I would. So we were kind of, Ari and my mum were um, on the phone to my midwife talking um, and she, she was really talking them through it because I think they were quite nervous too. Obviously, you know, yeah, they've never sure. experienced anything <laughs> like this as well. Yeah. Um, and she said, look, she needs like, Cash needs to be absolutely crippled by the pain. Um, 
or else they're not productive enough. You know, they need to be um, 511, I think, is the rule. Um, and then you can kind of come in to hospital and we'll go from there. Um, and, you know, although I was in a lot of pain, like I was still dealing with it. And I kind of, and I think Ari and my mum realized that. So they were like, look, you can, you can keep going. Like, come on, you know, you don't need to go to the hospital just yet. So they kept pushing me and I was quite surprised. I kept lasting another hour and then another hour and then another hour. So, um, I was really proud of myself for that. Um, managing it by myself. But, um, towards, towards, so we're going into sort of early hours of the next day, um, now. So probably like 3 a.m. Yeah. And, um, it was at about this time that I lost quite a lot of blood. Like I started to bleed and, Mm -hmm. um, Ari was straight on the phone to my midwife and she was like, look, it's probably just the bloody show, which was quite common. Uh, Most people have that. And, um, Harry was like, man, this seems like a lot, you know, Mm. he he had known what it was. Um, but she was like, I'm sure it's fine. Don't worry. Um, but I kind of think maybe if she had been there, um, she would have seen the amount of blood and kind of been a little bit more worried, but I did bleed quite a lot. So that was kind of our first sort of sign that, oh, maybe something's not quite right. Um, Mm -hmm. so 6am rolled around and I was like, right, I'm done. We need to go to the hospital. I'm tired. I need help. And I was still bleeding quite a bit. And I was like, you know, something's not right. I need some help. So, um, we got in the car and, um, I was such a cow to Ari the whole drive. (laughs) I was like constantly like, speed up, no, slow down, no, speed up, no, slow down. Um, we finally got to the hospital and like I say, finally, like we lived like ages away. I think it was maybe 10 minutes because it was 6am. <laughs> no one was around, but it felt like an hour's drive. Um, and we got there and I, when I walked into the room, like just this wave of calm came over me and I was like, right, okay, here I am. Like, I'm going to have my baby. And Michelle was like, she met us there and she was like, right, like I'm going to check you. And if, you know, I've got bad news. Like if you're not far enough along, you have to be sent home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, come on. Like I've been working on this out, this labor for 20 hours now. I've been having contractions for 20 hours. Like I'm going to be far enough along. Um, and she checked and I was two centimeters dilated. Mm-hmm. And I was heartbroken. Yeah. I was like, no way, check again. Like, you must be checking me wrong. Yeah. And she was like, honey, protocol is three centimeters to stay in the hospital. And I was like, I was just heartbroken. And she was, and she could tell, and she could tell I was getting tired and that something wasn't quite right. And she was like, look, I'm going to try and pull some strings and see if I can get you to stay. And she did. So we continued to labor. Um, I was mostly just on the bed in hospital. I didn't, I don't know if it was that I didn't feel right moving around. I'm not 100% sure, but I was quite comfortable on the bed. And that was where the gas was. So I just lay there. I used the gas and um, that was, I found it great. Um, 
yes, it did take me out of the room and I felt very mm-hmm. spacey, but I felt like I almost needed that after 20 hours, you know, kind yeah. of that distraction. Yeah. So um, over about three hours, I progressed to um, six centimeters and I was so happy with that. I was like, man, like it's taken me three hours to get to six centimeters, you know, another three hours, I'll be nine, yeah. you know, give me four hours and I'll be meeting my baby, you know, that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. I was like... Yeah. I was I was really stoked with that. Um, my waters broke while I was going to the toilet, um, so it was at about six centimeters where like it really started to feel like you know my my pelvis was widening. That you know all of that kind of stuff where Ruby was getting a lot lower. Um, I was also getting a little pushy, so mm-hmm. I was kind of feeling like I needed to push. And I was saying that to my midwife, and she was like don't push. You're yeah. only six centimeters. You're going to hurt yourself if you push. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a sheet over me and I remember just sitting there pushing and being <laughs> like, she doesn't know I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so I just sat there and I like pushed a little bit, but it didn't, it didn't help. So I yeah. stopped. Um, but I was like, right. I, the gas wasn't cutting it as much as it was in the beginning. And I was like, right, it was in my birth plan that I wanted um, pain relief. So I was like, mm-hmm. let's get this epidural started. Yeah. So um, the anesthetist came in um, and it took about 45 minutes for him to get it in. It took him two attempts. He, oh, wow. the first time he put it in, um, he just, I think he completely missed. Um, oh. And then the second time he got it in, but the medication, I think my body metabolized it too quickly. So, um, so they put in something called like a loading dose first, mm-hmm. which is like a, like a huge amount of the, um, the numbing medication. I don't know typical <laughs> yeah. words yet. Okay. But, um, so yeah, they put that in first, but my body like metabolized it much quicker than I think most people do. Right. So he had to put in like a, a big amount of it. Um, yeah. but anyway, I finally got comfortable and I started to really feel better. I wasn't having gas anymore. So I felt more in the room. Um, yeah. I started to kind of feel like, all right, I'm back in, in my space. I can do this. When you have an epidural, you have to be monitored. Mm-hmm. Um, in New Zealand, that's kind of standard practice. Um, Ruby's stats on her monitor were kind of up and down, not not typical of a baby in distress, but sometimes they'd be up, sometimes they'd be down, and Michelle couldn't work out why. Um, and she kept asking for opinions from, you know, other people, other doctors, um, saying, you know, like, what could be causing this? You, you know, um, I think if Ruby had been in constant distress, then, you know, the C-section route would have been you know, explored a lot earlier, but, yeah. um, she was kind of up and down. So it, um, it just wasn't typical of a baby mm-hmm. in distress. Um, but she kept kind of pushing them, um, and they were quite quick to, to kind of justify it with, um, different scenarios like, oh, maybe it's the way I was lying or, mm-hmm. um, maybe she needs to sit up a little more or, um, she used to drink some water or maybe it's a lack of oxygen kind of thing on my part rather than Ruby's. Um, so we tried a few different things, but it wasn't really helping it. So um, that was when Michelle and another doctor decided that they were going to insert 
a um, fetal heart rate monitor that um, goes inside me and attaches to the top of Ruby's head. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of measures one thing, my contractions, but two, her heart rate more accurately. Okay. Um, the doctor was going to do that, not Michelle. Um, and basically as she went to go and assert it, they kind of do it in the way that you would get like a pet smear or whatnot. Yeah. Um, she was greeted by a pretty unsavory sight, which was, um, Ruby's umbilical cord. So oh, wow. basically her, um, cord had prolapsed, which means that it had come out before Ruby, before her head. Okay. Um, and it's a really, really rare occurrence. So it happens in less than 1% of births. Um, and it basically is completely life threatening. Yeah. Um, 90% of babies die. Um, oh, wow. that have the cord prolapse. Yeah. So, um, it's pretty scary. And I think the hospital only sees like maybe one every two years. Yeah. Like it happens really, really, really. Um, so basically the cord comes out and then Ruby's head pinches it between my pelvis and then that stops her blood supply and oxygen supply and whatnot. Um, and that's how, that's how it becomes fatal. Mm-hmm. So, um, as this doctor went to insert um, the monitor, she saw the cord and basically just yelled. And she was like, cord. As soon as she said that, um, Michelle pushed the emergency button and it was like there were there was some loud alarm going off. And within like 30 seconds, I had probably about 10 people in the room. And the doctor just kept saying cord. Oh and... And everyone kind of knew exactly what that meant. So basically this doctor, she had her hand um, up inside of me trying to push Ruby's cord um, up as high as she could so that mm-hmm. Ruby didn't pinch against my pelvis. Um, and she walked like that with me um, through to theater. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, walked, uh, I, was, I was wheeled with her, um, her hand up inside <laughs> of me, which is just like the most... Yeah like unsavory vision I'm sure you're all having. (laughs) I was in theater within like a minute and I was just crying. I knew what was happening. I knew what a cord prolapse was. I had read about it, but only briefly. But I knew that it meant that my baby was very close to dying. And we were scared. We were really, really scared. Ari was told that he would be able to be there, but um, because everything is happening so quickly, he had to go and put um, theatre clothes on, um, yeah. and he was sort of taken away while I was taken to theatre. And because of the seriousness of it, they basically, as I was being wheeled there, were pumping my was pumping my epidural line full of medication. Um, and by the time I got to theatre, I was just absolutely numb. I was shaking because I was just so full of drugs and they were almost cutting me open before they got the, the drape up um, to try and get her out. So they put the drape up. Ari was brought in. He was brought in right as they were bringing her, as they were cutting her out. Um, so he, he, that was the sight he was greeted with was yeah. his wife's stomach being cut right open. 
and um, his child being pulled out. Um, and yeah, I think it was like probably from the time the button was pushed to Ruby being born would have been less than five minutes. Um, it happened oh, wow. really, really quickly. Um, yeah. She was born. They held her up over the screen so I could see her. She was pink and she cried a little bit and I cried so much because I was like, she's crying. She's alive. She's okay. And, um, and everyone was just so happy because, you know, it could have been so different. Yeah. I was just, I was kind of in shock. Um, Ruby came out with hair and my whole pregnancy, I hadn't pictured her with hair. So like, there was just like another little detail where I was like, what? This baby's come out with hair. <laughs> um, and I was like, are you sure that's my baby? Um, anyway, so Ari went over and was, was seeing Ruby and I was just kind of lying there. I was kind of drifting in and out of consciousness, I guess. I hadn't got a chance to see her properly um since mm -hmm. they held her over the screen but I was just I was feeling very out of it Michelle walked over to Ari and said they're just having some problems with Tash um I need you to keep it together for her because she doesn't know what's going on Ari was given Ruby and um he came over and he showed me her and she was beautiful but I could see in his face that he wasn't completely happy you know like he was really happy that he was finally holding his daughter and he was just telling me how much he loved her but I could tell something wasn't quite right so basically what was happening at this stage which again like I say I had no idea about um was that Ruby's placenta was attached to I have a septum in my uterus so again another thing I had no idea about before all of this happening um, I thought I had a regular uterus like every other girl in the world. Yeah. And um, apparently I don't. I have something called a bicorneate uterus, which is basically a uterus shaped like a heart. And it has sort of a seam that runs down the middle of it. And um, Ruby's placenta was attached to that seam. No one knew about this beforehand, but as the doctors went to remove her placenta after she was born, um, they took with it that septum um, oh, because, wow. like, basically what they normally do is just sort of pull on it and the placenta yeah. comes out. But um, this time it was attached to something that wasn't meant to come out and it pulled that with it. So um, that meant that I started to bleed out quite a bit. It was bleeding out so viciously that um, the overhead lights in the theatre were being sprayed with blood. Um mm. Ari was pretty terrified. Um, he could yeah. see that I was losing consciousness. I was kind of strapped in a crucifix position, um, so my arms couldn't move. Um, I couldn't hold Ruby. I could barely even look at her. Um, I think I touched her nose with my finger, and that was it. And after about 45 minutes, they managed to get bleeding under control. Um, but I was pretty poorly after all of yeah. that. They, I was then wheeled through to recovery. Um, and I remember just being like, please can I hold my baby? Cause <laughs> Ruby had been born for about an hour and I hadn't been able to hold her yet. And I was like, please can I hold her? <laughs> can someone just give me her? Yeah. And I was so weak, not 
quite there or present um, yeah. in the moment. But I still just, I really wanted to hold her. So Ari had to sort of hold her with me. Um, and I just looked at her and we have this one photo of her where she's kind of just lying on my chest. Yeah, I just think her face kind of tells the story of it in that picture <laughs> where she's kind of like, wow, like I, I made it. I survived that. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's pretty special. Um, yeah, beautiful. So yeah, that's, that's kind of Ruby's birth story. <laughs> yeah, wow. Fairly, fairly, um, traumatic and, and really quickly as well. So I can imagine that was really difficult and tough for you and for Ari. Yeah. Um, we both kind of took a long time to kind of, um, understand what happened. Um, yeah. I was really, really shocked by how, um, the trauma that Ari um, suffered as a result of it. Yeah. I think I yeah. kind of expected birth um, to be like this thing that Ruby and I experience. And I kind of, I guess, you know, of course Ari's there and, you know, a part of it, but I didn't ex- expect that he would experience it as much as he did. There were a lot of nights after that where we just kind of held each other and cried and we're like, wow, you know, we came, we became really close to losing our baby. Um, yeah. If, Michelle had sent us home when she was meant yeah, to. Gosh. Uh, we, would have, we would have gone home. We would have labored. Ruby's cord would have prolapsed and we would have never made it, um, yeah. the hospital in time. So yeah, thank yeah, God for Michelle. Kind of, Michelle knows that we hold her like she's God <laughs> yeah. in our house. Honestly, yeah. she, the thing that what she gave us is just yeah, amazing. <laughs> Yeah. And so after that uh, experience, did you have to spend a reasonably long time in the hospital or how long were you there for? I was there for two nights, which I think is kind of standard. Okay. Um, yeah. I I actually managed to bounce back okay. I was given lots of injections and medication and all that sort of stuff to kind of help with the blood loss. Um, but I, I think I handled it a lot better than they kind of expected I would. So um, I was so wrapped up in my new beautiful baby that I was, I didn't care about me. I was like, Oh, I'm fine. You know, don't worry about me. I'm fine. Um, let me just look after my baby. So, um, yeah, I think I kind of, I pushed my way through it more than anything. Um, because I just wanted to, I wanted to have some normality to that situation. You know, I wanted to a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I didn't want to be there forever. I wanted to go home with my baby. Um, I wanted yeah. to start being normal. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And how did she go at latching? She was really good. Um, she latched straight away. Um, I have photos of her meeting my family, um, and she's just latched the whole time. <laughs> I think she fed for like an hour and a half the first time she latched. Oh, and I was just sitting there like in this blissful moment, like, wow, look how great yeah. breastfeeding's going and <laughs> everything. As it turns out, it didn't quite work out that way. But yeah, she was, she was, really good at the beginning um she did well and she put on weight at, um like she never lost weight or anything like that yeah. she was she was a she was a great baby amazing and so you and Ari obviously take her home and how do things change for you or how was those first couple of weeks as a new mum and a new dad 
night three of her life, which I think a lot of mums experience was just like the worst night of our lives. Um, yeah. We actually went to a birth center after um, the hospital, Hamilton. Um, I'm not sure if it's practice everywhere in New Zealand, but um, if you have a C-section, you have 48 hours to get to the birth center. Um, and then you can stay at the birth center for a further 48 hours before going home. Um, okay. And that kind of just means that you can have extra support with um, learning how to breastfeed. Um, yeah. At that point, I was still having lots of injections and stuff like that. So it was good to have um, midwives and nurses come along and like actually help me with that kind of side of it. But yeah, that's that was that was really helpful. Um, but as I say, night three was in the birth center and. I'm sure Ari will probably touch on this in his story, but it was honestly the worst night of our lives. Um, all three of us just cried like all night long because <laughs> Ruby was hungry. My milk hadn't come in properly and yeah. my nipples were sore and yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. And Ari <laughs> wanted to help, but he couldn't. And mm. it was just one of those situations where we all just were like, <laughs> and then the midwives <laughs> We're like, no, we're good. We're fine. Yeah, we're coping. Yeah. We totally know what we're doing. <laughs> when we got home, we were good. We were we were just really happy to be there. I think the enormity of um, the last couple of days had really sunk in. We were like, wow, you know, this is somewhere where yeah, um, we're very thankful to be um, with three of us. Yeah. And so, did it take long for your milk to come in after the third night? I think it probably came in that following day. Um, yeah. I can't remember exactly, but um, yeah. And when it came in, it just came in in bucket loads. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I had very much an oversupply of milk and that kind of um, started to like trigger some problems with breastfeeding. Um, mm -hmm. Ruby couldn't, um, she would get too much for milk, which is um, the thin runny milk that, um, yeah, is in, at the start of breastfeeding and then she wouldn't ever get enough of the hind milk, which is sort of the fatty stuff at the end. Um, yep. So Ruby wasn't putting on as much weight as she could have in the following weeks after birth. Um, and we actually ended up going down the route of um, pumping. And so I would exclusively pump for her. Um, I would get up, express the breast milk, feed it to her, um, get her to sleep and then I would maybe get 20 minutes sleep and then start the process again. So um, yeah. I exclusively pumped for Ruby for three months. Um, oh, it wow. was rolling three months. Um, I yeah. just was basically constantly attached to a breast pump. Um, and yeah, Ruby, Ruby was fine on breast milk, but um, once it was pumped, it was fine because the, um, Behind in the four milk mix, um, so she yeah. seemed to be a lot better on that. But after three months, um, my milk supply just started to dry up, and I think my body was just kind of like, "Look, you have put in the hard yards, like <laughs> just switch to formula." So yeah, yeah, we quite happily made switch. Yeah, cool. And how was your sort of recovery in that time from your C-section? Um, it was good. I think. I think a lot of mums who um, don't plan on having caesareans um, and end up having them kind of have this idea in their head that, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be bedridden. It's going to be really yeah. hard. But 
I think we all kind of surprise ourselves in being able to just get up and get on with it. Um, yeah. You know, I was up and walking within a day um, and just we all kind of just get on with it a lot more than you expect that, that you would. Yeah. And did you have any sort of experiences with post-birth blues or did you just sort of feel like you were in this happy newborn bubble for that time? Like every mum, I kind of, you know, I had no idea what the heck I was doing. So yeah. um, that was a lot of of me doubting myself and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. With Ruby, um, I think because of the extreme circumstances she was born, I didn't at all feel like I had a right to um, be upset. You know, I yeah. sort of thought, wow, you know, like I was given the second chance for Ruby to be here. Um, I can't be, I can't ever find this hard, which um, was totally the wrong thing. It, was, yeah. it, was, it wasn't the right mindset for me to have. And I realize that now in hindsight, um, hindsight's always twenty twenty when it comes to stuff like this, but um yeah. Yeah, at the time I was like, I have to be grateful. Like, I'm sitting here telling all my friends about how she almost died. I can't sit here and also say, but it's hard and I, and it's not how I expected it to be. So yeah, Yeah. I just kind of had to, I kind of felt like I had to just be happy about the situation, even though sometimes I wasn't. And so did it take you, did you sort of come to a moment where you were like, okay, I've just, I've, I did have a really traumatic experience. Did you ever reach that point sort of six months down the track or how did you start to process that, that birth that you just had? Yeah. So, um, for me, I definitely did have that moment, but, um, it came a lot later on. Like I, I understood that I had a hard birth, but it wasn't until probably about, six months, nine months, a year after where I was like, wow, okay, I really did. And I kind of had that chance to kind of sit back and realize that, wow, you know, that was a tough entry into birth. We had a, you know, um, we had a really tough time that didn't go how I wanted it to go. I, I, I lost control. I wasn't happy with how everything went. And, um, and that's okay for me to feel like that, you know, um, There were a lot of times where I kind of was like, man, if, if this had been different, could this have happened or should I have done this or, um, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it took a lot of, um, vocalizing that with Ari and with my family for me to kind of understand that, you know, what happened happened and there's nothing really you could do about it. And yeah, yeah I, I took lot of it took a very long time for me to process it yeah and so (laughs) yeah I I mean it's a (laughs) experience to go through so completely can understand that so I obviously know that you've you've got little George as well but what was the sort of process in in thinking about trying for a second baby had you always wanted to have more than one yeah so we did we always wanted a um Ari's an only child so he he's just always yearned for like the family unit, you know, more yeah. than one. So, um, and I've always, I'm, I've got a sister, so I, I always wanted that too. We kind of thought we would want to get our baby days over with quickly. So we, we plan to have another baby quite soon after having Ruby. Um, but I mean, I'm not saying like a couple of months. She was one yeah. before mm-hmm. we started trying. 
and yeah, and then just kind of plan to get pregnant whenever it happened. Um, because we're wedding photographers, it kind of has to, I don't want to say that we have to time it around our wedding seasons, but it's kind of helpful if I'm not having a baby in January, um, because that's like our busiest time. So we kind of had to keep that in mind as well. So we kind of had a, um, Ruby was one in, um, June and we were kind of like doing the maths on when like (laughs) we could start to fall pregnant, um, so that it would kind of line up with our wedding seasons, um, but yeah, it, can, it worked out. So yeah. Cool. And how long after um, giving birth to Ruby did you get your period back? I so with Ruby, I bled for twelve weeks, um, which was kind of a result of um, the tear in my uterus mm-hmm. um, that not quite healing properly, um, and I had to have a number of um, scans and stuff like that. They kind of thought perhaps I had something retained, so mm-hmm. like a bit of to lift in there or something so I had that investigated a little bit um and yeah so like I say 12 weeks for the first lot of bleeding to stop but that's really abnormal um and then I think I got my period back once I stopped um pumping so that Mm -hmm. would probably I was probably about four months postpartum when I first got back Cool. And when you got pregnant with George, um, did you have any early symptoms with him or how did you find out that you were pregnant? Um, again, we were, we were trying. Um, so I just, again, had this gut feeling. I was like, no, something's different. I can't even describe to you what it was that made me feel different. But I was like, no, there's something going on. And, um, funnily enough, we were having dinner with some, friends who are now George's godparents. Um, and I was like, no, this doesn't feel right. And I had bought a pregnancy test that day and I had it in my bag and they just had a new baby and they were going off to put him to sleep. And I was like, Ari, I'm going to test. And he was like, no, you can't do it here. Like, what if it's positive? And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. So I ran into the bathroom and I tested and I came out and the faintest second line was there. And Ari was like, he was, he could see it, but I could tell he didn't want to like fully <laughs> accept it because he wanted to be so excited, but we were at their house and we didn't yeah. want to tell them right away. So, um, he was just kind of like, maybe, maybe it's there. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so we did, we knew like, I must have been maybe just four weeks pregnant yeah. at that stage. So we knew right early on that we were pregnant with him, but we were so excited. Yeah, amazing. And did you have any sort of early pregnancy um, issues like you did last time or how was that process for you? Not so much. Um, in the beginning, I was pretty good. Um, I was very sick with George again, um, yeah. which made me think I was having another girl because I was like, man, if I was sick with Ruby and mm. now I'm sick again, like I must be having another girl. <laughs> and I was really starting to connect with this little girl in my belly, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't. Um, and um, yeah, but I wasn't quite as sick as I was with Ruby. I was still, you know, I think I still lost like four kgs this time round in that okay. first 12 weeks. I was still really ill and I was still 
every other day going in to get IVs um, of fluid and that kind of thing. You know, like I say, like, oh, no, I wasn't that sick, but like I was, I was really sick. Um, but it definitely wasn't as bad as Ruby's. Yeah. And did you find out that you were having a boy before he was born or? Yes, we did. So <laughs> um, I had some bleeding, which was a bit scary at about week 16. And my midwife was like, look, it was like just a tiny bit. And um, she was like, look, I can tell you're worried. Um, let's just send you for a scan. And she said to us, she's like, and the good news is at 16 weeks, they'll be able to tell you the sex of the baby. <laughs> and we just looked at each other and we're like, oh my goodness, I thought we were going to have to wait another four weeks. So um, we went in for the scan and as soon as the lady put the um, the little ultrasound wand on my belly, she like, I don't know how she did it, but she put it <laughs> right on his genitals. And I was like, well, I knew what I was looking at. And yeah. then, um, she like quickly moved it off and then did the rest of the scan and she came back and she's like would you like me to tell you the sex and I was like I'm pretty sure I know <laughs> and she was like I can say with 90% certainty he's a boy as she's yeah. got it like over his genitals I can say 100% <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we knew he was a boy um yeah. before we had him and we were just so excited we we felt really blessed that we had one of each um yeah and yeah, and that he was healthy. So yeah, that was, that was the main thing, obviously. Yeah. Awesome. And so you were back with Michelle, the same midwife? Yes, we were. I mean, after having Ruby, there was just, and you know, her choices and her care with us, there was no, um, there was no other choice for us. Like she yeah. was just, I think I called her when I was like, like after we had tested that on the, at four weeks and I was like, I'm pregnant. And she was like, how far along? And I was like, four weeks. She's like, cool, call me in a couple of months. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, um, yeah, we, we definitely wanted her again. Yeah. Awesome. And I'd imagine that the choice was fairly easy to go back to the hospital. Yeah, it was. So we kind of, Ari and I kind of chatted and we were like, look, last time was really, was really scary. Um, we didn't want a repeat of that. You know, of course, it's only like a 1% chance that that yeah. would happen again. We were kind of like, how do we go about this where we can be in control, where we can gain control of the situation? I think for me, that was the biggest thing with Ruby's was that all of these choices were taken away from me with her birth. You know, I had this idea that I really wanted you know, her to be born into like a dim lit room and, um, you know, Ari would cut the cord and all of this sort of stuff. And, um, none of that happened. And I think that that's where I felt really robbed, um, yeah. with her birth. And, um, for George's, I just wanted some of that control back. I was like, I want to be the one that makes the decisions. I want to be conscious. I want to be happy. I want this to go the way that I have it planned. Um, so for us, it was an easy choice to choose an elective cesarean for yeah. George's birth. So did that mean that you chose the date that you'd be booked in? Yeah. So um, it's really bizarre. Um, you go up and like sort of have a meeting <laughs> with the hospital um, and they kind of, you know, just double check. They 
ask you all these really scary, crazy questions like, would you like your tubes tied? And I was like, on the spot, I was like, what? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Do I? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they meet with you and then they say, okay, book a date with reception. Exactly like you would if you were getting your hair cut. It was the most <laughs> bizarre thing ever. Your baby's birthday and yeah. you were like, um, okay, yeah, I guess the 12th works for me. Um, you know, that kind of thing. It just sounds so bizarre. Um, and we had chosen the 16th. Well, actually, we were given three options. And the 16th was the one we went with. And um, she kind of started, she selected it and started typing. And I looked at Ari, I was like, the 16th doesn't feel right. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, there's something about it. Like it doesn't feel right. And we turned around to the lady. We're like, can we change it? Can we change it Mm -hmm. to a different date? And she was like, oh, I've already started, you know, putting it through. And we're like, oh, okay, don't worry about it. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so we just kind of left it and we had the 16th of April in our head and that was what it was going to be. And then right about, oh, I think we hadn't, an appointment with my midwife on the Tuesday um, of the week before my midwife was like, I've just got a call from the hospital and they've decided to push you forward. You're, <laughs> you're not having a baby next week. You're having a baby in a couple of days time on Friday. Oh and it was like, what? No. Okay. So all of a sudden I thought I was going to have a baby on like, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. And then now my baby's going to be born on a Friday. I was like, wait, hold on. I don't feel like I, I've got everything ready. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so his, his birthday was, um, Friday the 13th, which is also Ruby's birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> she was also born on the 13th. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was really special to, to have them both born on the 13th. And so I imagine that's fairly bizarre knowing that you're just going to go up to the hospital and then you're going to come home with your baby on a day that you've pretty much chosen. Oh my gosh. The most bizarre thing ever. Um, we got up early because you have to be there like super duper early in the morning. And we got up. I had a shower. Um, I did my hair that morning. <laughs> um, you can't wear makeup, but if we could have, I probably would have. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I felt great. I put on moisturizer. Um, and I was like, great. You know, like I feel like a 10 out of 10 going to have my baby. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Yeah, we turned up, we walked into the hospital with our bag and like, you know, the baby capsule and stuff like that. Like, oh, hi, just going to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm not in labor and like there's other ladies in the waiting room, like sitting there breathing through their contractions. Yeah. I'm like, oh, hi, you know, we're going to have a baby on the same day. But, you know, it doesn't look like it. Yeah. <laughs> and so do you want to talk the listeners through how the rest of that process went for you? I guess um, I'm sure there was some sort of hesitation because of what happened last time. So how did that go from there? Yeah, sure. The elective caesarean process is just crazy different to an emergency caesarean process. Um, you're sort of put in line with, there were three other ladies who went before me. So um, we oh, all wow. were just sitting and waiting, like a waiting room with these other ladies who are about to have their babies in this exact same circumstances. Yeah, we all just kind of got called off one by one <laughs> to go and have our babies. I was finally called. You get wheeled through um, to theatre and you kind of, everything is so well explained to you, the whole process. You meet the doctor beforehand. Um, you meet all the staff beforehand. That's something that I had, you know, with Ruby. I had no idea who even delivered my baby. Yeah. Um, and actually, funnily 
half the husband of the lady who had her hand up inside of me and delivered Ruby was the person who delivered George. So that's oh, wow. kind of nice. It was like, yeah, it was kind of another thing where I was like, no, oh, everything's really working out in this situation. <laughs> so yeah, you're kind of wheeled through. Everything's explained. I w- walked and um, got up onto the theater bed. I sat on the edge of it and um, they administer a spinal block, which is a little bit different to an epidural. So in Epidural is um, a catheter is left in your back, which they can constantly top up with medication, whereas a spinal block is like a single dose of medication into your back. They did that. I started to go numb, and they just like gently helped me um, rotate back onto the bed, lay me out. They were talking about, you know, we were all just having like conversations about the weather and (laughs) saying that it was a great day to have a baby. You know, just kind of talking about things like, like so matter of factly. Um, and they carefully put the drape up. The surgeon came in and he was like, Hey, like, how's it going? How are you? We're going to start now. And that was something I never had with Ruby. You know, they just kind of did it. I didn't, I didn't know when it was going to happen. So I was like, yeah, sure. Like, let's go. Let's do this. Ari sat by my my head and held my hand as they started. Um, I couldn't feel anything. I was so happy. I was in the room. I was fully present. Um, I felt like I really understood what was happening. I I was really present in that moment. And you know, I looked, I just kept my eyes fixed with Ari's, and I was like, you know, he's going to be here soon. He's going to be here soon. Sure enough, like I think five minutes later, pulling and tugging, and then he was born, and he cried straight away. And oh, Ari peered around. Yeah, Ari peered around the drape and was like, "Hi!" And he went over and you know saw George be wrapped up and checked and whatnot. And they weighed him, and he was tiny. He was a whole pound smaller than Ruby. Oh, um, wow. So I was like, "Yeah," and um. They brought him over and he had skin to skin with me straight away. Um, so, you know, he was born and like within five minutes he was on my chest and that was just mind blowing to me after yeah. not t- even touching Ruby for an hour. I was just like, wow, look at him. You know, he's so tiny. He was on my chest and he was happy. Um, and he was, you know, starting to look for a boob and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, just wait, buddy. Like, come on. I've got to finish what's happening here. The one thing I remember, the only bad thing about it, which is totally unavoidable, is um, during a cesarean, there's a part where they kind of have to, I guess, manually remove the placenta and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, bits. Um, and they press a lot on your stomach. And that made me want to vomit. So I had to give George back to Ari. It is the weirdest experience of my life trying to vomit <laughs> while my stomach is open, <laughs> like having uh, no control yeah. over it. Yeah, it's a very bizarre situation. But again, like it totally didn't distract from what was happening. That whole process, I think I was out of there at the most half an hour later oh, wow. um, after he was born. So yeah, it was so quick and I was in theater, I uh, sorry, recovery afterwards and they set me up and I could, I, he latched straight away and I was holding him and I didn't need Ari to help me hold him. And yeah, he was just perfect. 
yeah, it, just the whole situation was surreal. And I remember just saying to Ari, like, wow, like that was birth. You know, that's yeah. really how it's meant to be. You're meant to have this like euphoric kind of sensation afterwards. And I didn't get that last time. So yeah, I definitely, in that moment, I knew I had made the right choice. Yeah. Amazing. And so did you stay at the hospital again for a couple of nights or what was the process there? Yeah. So again, I stayed two nights. The first night, um, well, both nights we were able to have Ari stay, um, which the first time around he wasn't allowed to stay yeah. when I had Ruby, which I, that was something I didn't know was sort of commonplace with cesareans. Um, that the partners aren't allowed to stay. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, but wait, I can't even get out of bed. Like, how am I going to pick my baby mm-hmm. up when he when she cries? Um, and you literally have to push a button and a nurse mm-hmm. comes and picks your baby up and gives it to you. It just felt so strange. Um, yeah. But this time around, he was allowed to stay, and I was so thankful for that. He had, we, because obviously we're wedding photographers and there's no other option for us. We had a wedding the next day. Um, so Ari couldn't stay because he, he needed to sleep. He was about yeah. to shoot a 12 hour wedding the next yeah, day. Oh um, so yeah, it was, it was like, it was a bit of a bittersweet moment. Um, it was actually the wedding of some friends of ours. So it was, it was really like, sad that I wasn't going to be there and it was sad that Ari wasn't going to be with me and yeah but it was just it was great it was actually probably a really good time for me because I really felt like I got to bond with George yeah um I was there for a lot of the time by myself um and that also encouraged me to get out of bed sooner than I did with Ruby and yeah I was I was on my feet like probably 10 hours after the c-section which was yeah, really quickly. And I wasn't this time round. I was just taking like Panadol and Nurofen for pain relief, like nothing stronger. It was just, yeah, world's different. Yeah. Amazing. And did you spend the couple of extra nights in the birth center again or did you go home? Yeah, we did. Um, and this time around, we actually didn't need the midwife's help as much as we did that first time. Um, you know, we kind of had an idea of what was going on, but it was just really nice to be somewhere where um, if we did have a question, someone yeah. was there as well as they always, they bring you food. <laughs> <laughs> so it was good to not have to worry about feeding ourselves in those yeah. first couple of days. This time around, I don't think we needed it as much. And I would go as far as to say for our third baby, I would probably not even go to the birth center. Yeah, I, I kind of, this time around, I was kind of, quite eager to leave the birth center. Um, I yeah. kind of was like, right, you know, we've got this. We know what we're doing. So, yeah. Awesome. And when did Ruby meet George? How did that go? Oh, my gosh. That was such a cute moment. Um, <laughs> being photographers, photos to us are like our love language. Like yeah. we, we capture everything in our lives. We capture the bad stuff, the good stuff, everything. We really wanted a photographer in theater with us, but um, you can only have one person present. So that meant that Ari had a camera and we also gave a camera to my midwife. Luckily enough, she actually knows how to use a camera. So (laughs) she's done like a little bit of photography. So she took some of the most amazing birth photos of George being born. After that, when I was in the ward, um, we got one of our photographer friends to meet us there and she captured some photos of 
you know, the first couple of hours of George's life. And she also took photos of Ruby meeting George for the first time. And um, Ruby came in with my mum and she was just going, baby, baby. (laughs) And, um, yeah, but then she was kind of a little bit like, wait, (laughs) who is this guy? (laughs) Is he ours? Like, I think she kind of thought maybe he was like a friend's baby or something. Yeah. But, yeah, um, she was lovely with him and still is, yeah. Oh, good girl. (laughs) And so how was your breastfeeding journey with George? Was it any different to Ruby? It was. Um, it was a lot harder, um, than Ruby's breastfeeding journey, which sounds so weird to say because Ruby's breastfeeding journey was so hard. So that kind of illustrates <laughs> yeah. how hard it was with George. He was born with a really severe tongue tie. Um, so much so that you can even visibly see the tongue tie in one of his pictures when he was oh, wow. just born. Yeah. It's like an insane tongue tie. So my midwife was. Michelle was like, look, he's got it. You're going to struggle um, in the beginning. Let's book you in to get that sorted um, as mm-hmm. soon as possible. So we did, um, but it was still probably about five days before we could um, have his tongue tie um, dealt with. And in that time, because of his tongue tie, he couldn't get a very deep latch he would kind of nibble a lot at the breast and I was just in a lot of pain. Um, yeah. yeah, he sort of had the same, I had the same oversupply problem again. He was really struggling to kind of get that hind milk. Um, so we switched to pumping a lot sooner than I did with Ruby. I'm going to say I was about maybe three weeks postpartum and um, I switched to exclusively pumping Again, I did it for three months like I did with Ruby. This time around, I had so much of an oversupply that there was a point where I counted it up and I had like a few photos like on my Instagram and stuff of, um, I had about 10 liters of breast milk just sitting in my, in my (laughs) freezer, just like not being used. It was like a crazy amount (laughs) that I, I was making. And, um, I was really blessed this time around that I was, able to donate my breast milk to a couple of um, friends, babies and stuff like that. Yeah. So this time around, I was able to feed four babies. Very cool. And how was your recovery personally from this um, birth? I guess obviously being so different to Ruby's, so both physically and mentally, how were you feeling? It was so different. Like you say, Um, I felt like, I felt like I could kind of get on with it a lot easier this time around. Um, I now had two kids to look after, so I kind of didn't really have a choice. I had to just kind of get on with it. I just, I think the the emotional side of it definitely was a lot easier this time around. I wasn't having to emotionally deal with kind of that huge change you have when you first have a baby. Um, yeah. You're kind of letting go of all of your freedom um, and all of, you know, your personal choice and all of that kind of stuff. You know, you can't go to the toilet when you want to go to the toilet because your baby's <laughs> feeding. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, you're not kind of dealing with that this the second time around, which was, I think, made it a lot easier, as well as um, George was just, is, or he still is, just the most cruisy baby I think I've ever met. 
like everyone <laughs> comments on it. He, yeah. He, oftentimes he'll be sitting in the lounge and Ari will walk in and be like, oh, wow, George isn't here. <laughs> and it like doesn't even know because he's just such a happy, chill baby. So yeah. I think that made it easier as well. Oh, beautiful. That's so nice that you got to have, I mean, such a different experience the second time around and really, I guess, take control of your birth experience as much as you could. That's kind of maybe the takeaway message from my two stories is that the first time around, I didn't feel empowered by the situation. I didn't feel like I had control. I didn't feel like the process was anything that I wanted. Um, and then the second time around, like everything that happened was my choice went into the situation having all the knowledge I needed and I felt really empowered by that, that, you know, people listened to me and that everything I had done was of my choosing. Yeah, amazing. I think that's that's such a great message and I think other Kiwi mums and families out there that listen to the podcast will really appreciate that. So thank you so much for sharing your stories with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.